Well, greetings, all you magnificent beings, and welcome to the inaugural episode, episode number one of Wake Up Calls with myself, David McLeod, and my good friend and fellow coach, Lina Orlando. We are going to talk today about, we don't know what, the basic topic and the basic question that we're asking ourselves uh, ourselves today is, who's in charge? And... Um, before we started, Lion and I were talking about, you know, our own situation and how our life has changed over the last, well, I can say for me, it's been years, but particularly in the last two years with the big massive change going on with all this pandemic and, uh, you know, the vaccines, the masks, everything else that we've had to deal with. And it's, it's kind of, I say, for a lot of people, created a lot of uh, negative energy. And yet, Lina and I are both experiencing something that tells us something big and important is about to happen. And so that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. And the, and, the, and the question, who is in charge? Well, you can decide for yourself what we might be referring to there. But anyway, good morning, Lina. Thank you for being here. I know it's, it's afternoon where you are, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here to be able to join me today. Oh, goodness, David. I am so happy to be here and to the audience. I have a raspy voice because I've been working through whatever stuff I've had in this physical vessel and uh, most recently laryngitis because I could barely speak. So I'm so grateful that I got my voice back because I don't want to miss these conversations with you. You're one of my favorite humans to have conscious conversations with. So thank you. Well, that really touches me. Thank you for saying that, Lina. And I always enjoy our conversations together too. I know that you know, sometimes we don't always agree, and, and that's kind of the way life is, you know. We see things from different perspectives, so how can we ever expect ourselves to always agree? Um, you know, you see things from where you are. I guess you're in Georgia, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm here in Meridian, Idaho, and people who listen to this are from all kinds of different places in the world. So your own experience is going to differ from what we say. Nevertheless, I really value the opportunity to have a conscious conversation with someone like you, Lina, and, and with other people who are in a similar uh, process of growth and awakening and uh, elevating of consciousness. So it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, so let me just start with sharing a little bit about what, what a conscious conversation means to me, mm -hmm. and because that will lead to who I think is in charge or what I think is in charge because a conscious conversation is when people decide to come together to share until such time when we come to the place that we both recognize truth because to me to be unconscious is to be operating in misinformation is to be operating asleep to the truth and being able to participate in a conscious conversation, it's like we're coming, like you said, I'm over here, you're over there. We're coming from different angles, but like in a in a circus tent, you know, it's got the that maypole in the middle. We can all be coming from different places, but if we all come to the center, we are all going to come to the same thing that is holding it all up. And we cannot argue. Well, we could if we wanted to, but once you you understand truth and you know what's in charge, who's in charge, we know that there is this pole that is holding this up and keeping the tent from falling on all of us. Now, if you're looking at it from the bathroom angle or the, the bleachers angle or, or the entrance angle or the exit angle, yes, it's going to look different how to get to that pole. But when we all get to the pole, we're at the pole. What, what is there to argue about when you're at the freaking pole? Exactly. So for, for me, that's what's so wonderful about these conversations is I've, I've been at that poll. You've been at that poll. People listening to this have been to that poll, but we've all had a different journey getting there. So the invitation is take what resonates that feels like it's true to you. Leave what doesn't because I'm still on my path. I haven't gotten there and stayed there. I go there often, but then I get I get pulled out to the edges um, like everybody else. And but that that journey to the center, to the center of truth has shifted 
shifted my perception about who's in charge, what's in charge. It's been a fascinating journey. And that, that to me is um, what I find powerful about a conversation pondering that question right. is because I think humanity is at a place today that if mm -hmm. we ask that question more, who's in charge? Um, we would see that we're all, we all have aspects of the truth that would help each and every one of us put together the bigger puzzle piece, you know, the bigger mm -hmm. picture. Um, and that to me is the most important conversation worth having. Well, that's beautiful. And I really love the, you know, the big top uh, circular tent kind of, well, you didn't say circular, but that's what I saw in my mind when you said it. Uh, the, the, the idea of a tent that's being held up by this central pole. And we have these other little supporting mechanisms to keep it uh, erect. But, you know, I think that's a really beautiful metaphor because you touched on something that that really resonated for me. And that is this concept of, well, we got, I think we have multiple levels of truth. Uh, we have the kind of truth that we, we think we know in our minds. And this kind of shows up as science or facts or other things like that, which, you know, we can argue may or may not be actual truth. And then there's this other thing called absolute truth, which just simply cannot be shaken in any way, shape, or form. And while we are in the, the process of ego, of using logical thinking and science and all that kind of stuff, we may believe that absolute truth is not something that we can actually see. But when, as you describe, we move towards the center and we get closer and closer to the center, what happens is our, our awareness becomes more expanded our consciousness grows and widens and we begin to see more and more. And all of a sudden, this concept of absolute truth, I think, actually becomes a reality. So for me, that central place that you're talking about is that, that, that place we can go to anytime we want to and dwell in our, in our spiritual nature in the, the beautiful magical pool of absolute truth. So nicely said. I, I really appreciate that. Well, I love uh, your use of the absolute truth. And to in my mind's eye, I did see a circular um, tent as well. So what I have come to realize, you know, you and I are coaches. We've been doing this a long time. And as coaches, our work is to help people come to the realization that it is absolutely truth. Every one of us is magnificent. At our core, we are magnificent. And it is also absolute truth from all the teachings that I have studied and all of the coaching that I have done. You know, I've worked for a very long time, almost 15 years. So I've had my share of thousands of students. And it is absolutely truth that every single one of us has an egoic self that cultivates a sense of reality that is determined by our environment. It's determined by our religion, by our parents' beliefs, by where we live uh, geographically, financial status, religious, culture. So when, when we begin to recognize that there are absolute truths that we can begin to explore, the simple visual that I would offer for anybody who's trying to figure out, well, how do we get to that absolute truth is using that, that circus tent example. It's like we're all born from that absolute truth center. We are all, it's like our back is to that pole and the ego gets cultivated as we move away from that center, from that pole, from that absolute truth. We fill up our mind with information all based on our environment, our education, all of those things. They're all different. Everybody gets a different education. We're all uh, experiencing different bits of data from around, you know, doesn't matter where you live in the world. And as we move away from the center, we begin to think that what is out there away from the center is the truth based on the perception of the, the information that we have received. And what has helped me tremendously 
on this journey to come to return to my truth is I had to turn around. And in the turning around to return to the truth of who I am, I had to shed those that that information that I received. And some of it was was factual, but it wasn't mine. It was my grandmother's. Some of it was accurate, but it wasn't mine. It was my my you know third grade teachers. And that's when I began to see who really is in charge. And that awareness of I get to decide what is my truth and what is not, but I can't decide what is absolute truth has helped me be able to observe what is happening in the world today with a really, um, number one, with a lot of compassion because I see the, the suffering and the terror. And so much of that is ego-based, is, is conditioning. Yeah. Exactly. But I also get to see those who are actually participating in the creation of the suffering because they really don't understand that they could be doing this in another way. And that lets me know they're operating from their ego because we all were operating from absolute truth. Nobody would be hurting each other because that's our place of magnificence. Right. So anyhow. I love that absolute truth. Um, yeah, and, and the other thing I think that um, that we can say here is if we understood absolute truth, as you say, and if we went back to the center, uh, we would stop hurting each other because we'd recognize that by doing so, we're just hurting ourselves. And so self-harm is not something that generally speaking, uh, we like to do, whether even an ego, we don't like to do that, you know? Most, most of the time. I mean, some people can go to extremes, of course. But generally speaking, the, the idea of self-harm is not something that's in our consciousness. So once we become aware of the fact that we're all part of the same mesh, we're, we're all part of this absolute truth, we're all part of this beautiful central space that you were talking about and, and create, you know, describing as a, as a tent with the pole in the middle, once we understand that, we begin to connect to the oneness of who we really are. And we, I believe, and this is my experience anyway, we start to connect to the, to the magnificence of what we are. And magnificence is a wonderful word. It's a word that I, I, would, I always resisted while I was in my, you know, stuck in my ego thinking. But now that I've moved into a more spiritual way of being, magnificence is what I claim all the time now, because it is the truth. And, Absolute truth is, by very definition, magnificent. So, <laughs> yes, and I, I too use the word magnificent. As a matter of fact, it's um in my workshops, uh, it's it's one of our mantras that that we we share, and it's really amazing. At the beginning of the workshop, people come in, and when I have them state, "I am magnificent," most of them are like. I'm, I'm magnificent, you know, they're, yeah. they're just saying it because they have to say it and they're looking around. Okay. Everybody's saying it. Okay. It's okay for me to say it. But after five days of deep dive into what's going on inside and they touch that magnificence and within it's like, come out, I am magnificent. You know, there's yeah. an owning it that is really beautiful to watch. Um, but that that process of self-awareness is what I see is the opportunity right now in what's happening in the world. I mean, and we are just what January 14, 2022. We're just at the beginning of the year that to me is a year of revelation. And it is a year of that is the culmination of the preparation of all of the years before to get us to the place that we are prepared to begin to ask one of the most important questions, who is in charge? Who is in charge? Um, and of course, as, as you know, and I, I think it's going to be fun for us to talk about this, didn't you experience different levels of who's in charge? I know I did. Um mm -hmm. At the beginning of my journey, when I began to realize, and this is 20 years ago, um, because my journey started in 2002, when I began to question, how can this be? 
And I, I think I've shared this with you before, but my mom passed away and I entered into this, this real deep depression that I, I've never been depressed before. And I was 41 years old at the time. And I, I, what, you know, depression, I never had it, but my mom's passing activated a, a fear in me. And it was a fear of death because I had grown up Catholic. So I had this fear that for the first time seeing a dead person and I'd seen my grandparents, my dad, I'd seen friends, I'd seen, um, you know, people that I respected. But when I saw my mom's dead body, I realized, oh, one day that's going to be me. It became so real. And that fear of death, because I grew up hearing I was a sinner and I was going to go to hell. And I knew my mom, I knew my mom and she was a sinner and I knew she was definitely going to hell. I began to ask the question, who made that up? Exactly. And I, I, came, I came to realize who was in charge of that lie. And mm -hmm. um, then I, I needed to be in charge of not believing it. So there was this, this like this back and forth. They were in charge of creating the lie. My grandmother was in charge of instilling it in me. The, the Pope was in charge of making sure everybody was afraid and knew that if they didn't believe it, they were going to be cast out of the Catholic Church, which made my grandmother take charge of making sure I believe the lie. So it, it, it was just so many different people who've been in charge um, of all of this. And anyway, so that that started my questioning. Who's in charge? Yeah, that's a great uh, explanation. I uh, I can certainly relate to it. Um, up until the time I was in my forties, from my perspective, everybody else was in charge. I was supposed to give myself up and 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 basically just do whatever the hell they wanted. I was supposed <laughs> to fulfill all their needs. I was supposed to make sure that they got you know, what they wanted and so forth. I had the same kind of religious upbringing as you did, although it was, for me, I was brought up in the Anglican church. But then, because I was so committed to doing what everybody else wanted, I married into the Catholic church. So I had double dose of this, uh, this kind of training that you're talking about. And absolutely, everyone else was in charge. And I kept trying to buy into it. I kept trying to believe it. But there was a part of me that just said, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Why are you doing this? <laughs> and it was, uh, it was that questioning that kind of got me realizing that things weren't the way I thought they were. Yeah. You know? But I still didn't know the right questions to ask. And I was still, you know, struggling with my own life, trying to be happy and all the rest of it. And that just wasn't working. And that's when I ended up leaving my family. And actually, even though leaving my family and effectively abandoning my kids, which is not really what happened, but that's how some people might see it. By doing that, I actually created space for myself. And when I created that space and when I opened up that space, then I was connected to all kinds of people who were also asking these questions. And yet they seem to have some of the answers. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, all of their answers were correct, but again, I was putting myself in their hands. I was letting them be in charge of my understanding, of my learning. And so this process continued for a long time until 2003 when I had my really major, I guess, the moment that I, I kind of broke open and I released all this anger and resentment and just rage that had been building up inside me for such a long time. And when I did that, then a whole bunch of sorrow, sadness, tears, gunk, all that kind of crap came out of me. And all of a sudden I was like an empty vessel. And in that moment, I'm not kidding you. In that moment, I was filled with such power, this beautiful golden blue light of power that was in my mind, that was God filling me up. Although I wouldn't have used the word God at the time, you know, but that's what it was. It was that beautiful spiritual energy. And from that moment, I knew what it meant to be connected, to be one with everyone else. I was, I was in love with everybody in the room. 
I was feeling such joy. And I said, this is what I want all the time. Yeah. Now, of course, I don't have that all the time, but I do have it a lot more than I used to prior to that day. And, um, and so for me, now I understand that who's in charge is, is, is a, a spiritual essence, a, a, a supreme consciousness that is far, far greater than I ever imagined before. And it's certainly far greater than the limited view of God that I believe we have created in our society. So that's, that's what I believe to be true now. And what's also true is I am in charge of my own life. I get to make my own choices. This, this massive, in, infinite, uh, cosmic Christ consciousness that, I, that I'm in touch with could indeed drive every aspect of my life. But I still have the power of choice. I'm still in charge of my choice. And that's what people need to understand, I think. So that's, that's where I see it now. How does that resonate for you? Oh, no, I, I absolutely love it. I had, um, I had a, an encounter with the divine as well. And this happened in August of 2007 that totally changed my life, my perspective about everything. In, in that 45-minute encounter was totally and completely shattered. It's like I came to the center of the pole. I came to the center of the world. I came to the beginning before the beginning of the beginning. And it, exactly. it's, it's that it's that that has always been there. So there really even wasn't a beginning. It's just the isness that was there. Yeah. But it was way before my mind began to get programmed and before humanity got programmed, before planets were created, before. So it's it's like a going back to to the purest of nows. Mm -hmm. And in that, in that experience, I, I realized that like you, I was one with everything. And after that, I stayed in a high for a very long time knowing it, I loved everybody. I, I, it was just a, had beautiful encounters. I even had an encounter that was so profound but it it freaked um it freaked my husband at the time. I felt so we went out to lunch. This was just maybe weeks after that encounter, maybe a month or so. We went to a local restaurant that had this little outdoor patio and I got my lunch and I we went out there, we sat down, and I live in at the time I lived in a bit of a hoity-toity area, you know, very a pretty affluent East Cobb, um, just a, a well-to-do area. So we we don't have anything that is unsavory around East Cobb. Everything is perfect. Right. So, anyways, we sit in this little area to have lunch, and this very unkept old man came into the little patio area, and he started going by the tables, and you, it was clear he was asking. He was not, I'm not going to say he was begging, but he was asking and you could see the East Cobb women turning around. No, no, you know, go away. And when he turned around, oh, you know what? Actually, I was not there with my husband. So let's take him out of the picture because he wasn't there. When he went towards me, I looked at him and I said, brother, sit down with me. And he sat down and I was like, do you want lunch? I mean, it was so clear to me that if he was there and he was unkept, that he might have been hungry. So anyways, he was like, sure. And I said, do you want what I'm having? He said, that's fine. So I went and picked up a plate for him, brought it. And I sat down and had this meal with his man. I just want to cry mm -hmm. because the entire time everybody was looking at me, the old me, I would have been just like those people. No, nope, no, nope, you know, I don't want to be bothered. But I'd already felt myself as one with all that is. I'd already learned that everything is me, is made of me, is reflecting me back to me. So I knew, oh my gosh, this is the God force, the God essence sitting here in front of me for me to see an aspect of me. Can I love that part of me? Can I love the homeless male me in East Cobb? And, and it was just so, so profound. It, it just totally touched me. Because in that moment, who was in charge was my 
the truth, my absolute truth, we're all one, my absolute truth that love is, is the final answer. We've heard that from so many people. But in that moment, I also got to see how the relative truth that we got conditioned with of no, you know, this is East Cobb. We don't accept that. We don't allow that. That doesn't happen here. Um, that was true for them because the voice of their ego was in charge because it was the voice of the conditioning, not the voice of the knowingness. And it was just such an incredible opportunity to really see in that moment for the rest of my life, and it's still so today, I am the one in charge of choosing. Am I going to listen to the conditioned voice of the ego where everything is separate and selfish and about me? Or am I going to choose to listen to the voice of the absolute that lets me know that I'm not in charge? It is in charge of all that is. I can reject it or accept it. I'm in charge of that, but I can't not not have the truth of who we are. I can't make the truth not be the truth, capital T, truth. And I knew, oh, wow, the rest of this journey is a journey of choice and and like you said, I I had to be the one in charge of choosing which direction am I going? Am I going towards love or away from it? Am I going to the center, to the absolute truth? Am I going to keep going away from it? Arguing with people who are going away from it too. It's like, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a beautiful story and, you know, a very touching. I, I, I felt my heart kind of warming up there and a little bit of, you know, vibration in my eyes that's nice nice to i love stories like that those are beautiful you know i i um, i'm sure everyone who's listening to this can relate on some level to some kind of story uh no matter how you might feel about you know the way you live or um the kind of the conditioning that you're living under i will bet i will bet my bottom dollar that virtually everyone at one time or another, has seen a homeless person and looked around and snuck 20 bucks out of their pocket and put it in the guy's uh, little tin can or something. I I used to do that. I would I'd check a, I'd make a look around first. I didn't want people to see me doing this. I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't want to, want to be seen, but I wanted to give something. And now I'm, I'm far less afraid to be seen, you know, obviously. I mean, I've done a lot of work since then. But I remember that pulled on my heart even back when I was still stuck in my ego. Um, and I will bet that there's plenty of people out there who would reach into their pocket, pull out some change or a couple of dollars or something and give it to a homeless person and hope that nobody saw them do it. Well, I would. Yes, I definitely did that. But I did even more than that, that I had to work through some of my shame is to see a homeless person and judge them. You know, you're an able-bodied person, go get a job. I, yeah. I'm not gonna support your habit or whatever it is. So I definitely had that conditioning that because that egoic mindset that was in charge was, I didn't know I had a choice. I didn't know I could choose to be nice. Um, I, I, I thought what I thought was right. And in that moment I was judging and that's, that's it. There was no choice to be nice because I was right about the judgment that I was um, in that moment casting upon this, this beautiful soul. Um, and it is, it's, that's why we have to question what's in charge, who's in charge, because we are so reactive with our behaviors, with our beliefs and going from reacting to this person because I, I heard people tell me, you know, it's an able-bodied person or they were cast in a movie as the, the bad homeless person that then comes and hurts you. So the mind gets programmed. Like my mind was programmed with judgments about people based on their appearances or color, their whatever it was, their nationality. And I had to question all of those thoughts that had me give so much power to indoctrination because what I realized is that while I was reacting from my conditioning, I was never in charge of my life. I was 
I was like a, a pawn in this game. It's like I had been conditioned and I, be, I was wound up like a doll and I was walking around like a little freaking robot doing what I was told to do. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you and me both. It's it's pretty amazing when we when we compare our journey. You know, obviously there were many details that were different, but uh, the basic thrust is the same. We started off. We 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 came into the world. We were we were happy. We were joyous. We were connected to our spiritual essence. Then we started getting conditioned with all the rules and regulations and and the and the checklists and all the things that we're supposed to do and and all the religion and the and the scientism and everything else. And, uh, and so we slowly close down, you know, we get into a smaller and smaller and smaller box over the course of time. And we just feel like this, I got to get out of here. You know, there's something I'm, I'm feeling compressed. I cannot do this anymore. And we all, I believe, have a natural tendency to want to, to, to expand and express. And so maybe that's part of our chosen path is to, is to go through that experience so that at some point in our lives, we wake up, we get, we get to this point and we understand this is not working. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. What did I sign up for? Well, I signed up for being uh, an expression of the divine. I signed up for doing something amazing with my life. And I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm doing all this other shit instead. And uh, some of that crap felt good. It maybe gave me temporary gratitude or not gratitude, gratification, I guess is the word I'm looking for, uh, a temporary pleasure. And, and I may have even gotten addicted to it on some level and didn't realize it. But yeah. once I broke through that and I saw the other side and came back to the center, as you say, all of a sudden I realized all of that was just crap. All of that was something that helped me get to where I am now. So even though it was unpleasant, even though there were some negative aspects to it, I am grateful for it because without it, I might never have reached this level of consciousness that I've got right now. And I, and I wouldn't be seeking even more consciousness, seeking deeper connection with, with, with Christ consciousness, with what I call omnitude. And I'm seeking that every day now. I'm meditating at least twice a day now, which and I love it. It feels good. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, it, it, I came to realize as my absolute truth that coming to the place where everything emanates from omnitude could be the, the perfect name to also describe the way that I see it. It, it's just pure energy. It's it's pure energy. And one of the the truths that I had to get 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 comfortable with, which I, I struggled for a very long time, I I couldn't accept it, is that everything is made of energy, that there's really nothing solid in in this in this universe, that everything is happening in the mind of the creative source, that it is imagining, you know, when when I look back at um, you know, we were created in the image of the creator. Well, if you look at that word image, so we were imagined by the creator mm. and we are made in its image. So it imagined us like itself, because how can you imagine anything other than what you are? So that, that that's possible. So we were created to be, to be, to have imagination so that we can imagine whatever we want to imagine. And in, in the coming to the realization that what I am is non-physical energy, I began to cultivate a relationship with my, my eternal self. And to get comfortable with the aspect of me that doesn't end, that was here before the beginning, before the before the beginning, and will be here beyond, beyond, beyond the, the end. And... Mm -hmm. So that I could pull away from the temporariness of this physical experience and be able to observe the physical experience as a choice that I am in charge of. 
the the me that is the the non-physical self that chose to have a creative experience so i created this lifetime to come in as a line and experience whatever it is that i had to experience that perspective allowed me to begin to look at the little robotic me that was just doing whatever i was doing and i wasn't in charge of my life i was just reacting to oh i need more money oh okay let me you know the boss is in charge of me what do i need to do to make more money well you got to do more of this and then i get more money and then what do we need to do to look better we got to spend the money and then we need more money and then we got to spend the money and need more money spend more it was like a freaking robot going back and forth um and i thought i was not in charge but when i got to know that the eternal me i realized no i am in charge i chose to come in and pretend that i had that i had no control i chose to come in and pretend that i was not in charge so that i could experience what it's like to let everybody else be in charge so that i could sit back and have no responsibility for what was happening to me and i could cultivate my complainer and from that place i could have the experience of victim and bully you know look what you did to me i'm the victim and okay you did that to me so i'm going to take revenge i get to be the bully and i got to little by little realize that where i had to say and acknowledge you know what i'm not thinking with my own thoughts these are everybody else's thoughts everybody else is in charge of me where i had to surrender thinking i had any power and things were happening to me it was part of the process then i had to cultivate the relationship with the part of me that said all right now we're going to forgive yourself because you didn't know what the heck you were doing while you were programmed so it's it's become since then a bunch of paradoxes i'm not in charge and i am in charge at the same freaking time exactly yeah that's beautiful i like the uh, your use of the word pretend because that's really what it is you know we we pretend something opposite to what's really true so that we can experience the truth and this whole pretending thing by the way it kind of goes along with what i think it was uh Shakespeare who said that all the world is a stage and and all of us are actors upon that stage and i i don't know if it was shakespeare or not but i that's how i remember it but that's that isn't that just a whole different level of pretending yeah. and that's precisely what we're all doing collectively on this planet you know we're yeah. making it up as we go along it's all just a big play and somebody says oh i have an idea let's try this and all of a sudden we have a whole new drama going on Yes, you know, and that's that's what was so interesting as you're talking about the all the world is a stage because when I had the realization that you know, I don't know if you saw the movie, did you see the movie with Brad Pitt, uh Benjamin Buttons? You know, that's one movie I did not watch. All uh, right, but you're you're familiar with with I, the I movie. I know about it, yeah. That's right. where he so, he goes backwards in time or something like in that. In time, yes. Yeah. So not so much about the actual the movie itself, but the in essence Benjamin Buttons is a character played by Brad Pitt. So right. in absolute truth, Brad Pitt is is the being, is the person. And the relative truth is he incarnated and played Benjamin Buttons. But Benjamin Buttons Brad Pitt didn't have control of what Benjamin Buttons did because Benjamin Buttons was a story created by somebody else who wrote it. Right. So exactly. Brad Pitt was acting out the part of Benjamin Buttons, but Brad Pitt was in charge of choosing to play that role. Yeah, so in in that kind of a, an awareness I'm like, oh I am Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, I'm the actress. I'm the actor playing the role of Lina. So who wrote the script for Lina? That began to be very scary at first because I'm having to question who wrote how did I feel abandoned by my dad? Well, that's that that script was written by my father. So I had to find out 
all right, dad, did you abandon the family because you hated me? Like I thought, or why did you abandon the family? Well, he left because he wasn't happy with my mom. And you know, that's just the way it was. So he left. So I got to make peace with, okay, so that actor playing the role of the father that abandoned me, and I was playing the role of the abandoned child. I don't want to play that role anymore. I don't want to be the abandoned person. You know, 41 fucking years of being abandoned, that hasn't helped me. So I had to rewrite the story myself. So I'm in charge of giving up the part that somebody else was in charge of writing for me. And it is such a, it's such a fascinating process because when I look at what's happening in the world today, and you and I agree on, on I'm going to say most of this, um, just because of the things that we have shared, but the whole world is right now in the midst of a massive performance and so many actors on the stage who are acting afraid and are acting as if you know somebody else has power, somebody else is is in charge of their lives, gives me so much opportunity for compassion for how many people have no clue that there is a powerful being within them that if they allowed themselves to connect with their true essence, the creative source in them, they could write themselves another script, but they're in the disempowerment. They're in the, you know, I don't know, but I can say names. I don't know if this is going to get censored or not, but that this, you know, medical person is in charge or that that pharmaceutical company is in charge or that, that that's the only science that is in charge. So we have an incredible opportunity before us, which is why I'm so excited. Now that more things are coming to the surface about this grand performance that we're all in, it's as if we, you and I, get to watch kind of from the audience, these characters on the stage that are about to discover that they're not that part. They're not the character. They are playing these roles and they get to be in charge of choosing again. Yes. It's just fascinating to me. That's another, another fabulous metaphor. And this whole idea of, of the whole world being a stage, you know, you asked who's writing the script. And I think that's a powerful question. And I think maybe we, we should inter, uh, 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 investigate that just a little bit. There are people who believe that, uh, before we choose to manifest in the physical world, we make some kind of a, a pact or a, an agreement or a commitment or whatever with a number of other spiritual beings. We say we want to come into this life and uh, we want to experience X, Y, and Z, let's say. We don't necessarily know the details of X, Y, and Z, but we know we want to experience those things. And so this group of spiritual beings they say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that with you. In fact, I want to experience uh, A, B, and C while we're there. So um, let's see if we can make both of these things work. And, and I'll come in and I'll manifest as a physical being. And who knows, maybe somewhere along the way, we'll meet up and then we'll go through these things. Some of these beings maybe stay behind in the spiritual world and support us energetically. And so people have the experience of having... Um, you know, angels or, or, or guardian angels or whatever you call them. And I think that that is so amazing. So on one sense, I write the very script that I now am complaining about, about being stuck in. You know, I wrote the script before I got here on some level. Now, I maybe didn't write all the specific details. I didn't say I wanted that particular person to be my mother or this particular person to be the teacher that that wrapped me on the knuckles or any of that kind of crap. I mean, all of those things were little details that were added by other script writers. But for the most part, I wrote the basic script and then I chose to take part in that. And so as you say, and this is part I totally agree with, at any time, any time, there is no, there's no rules here. You, as a participant in this script writing, or a participant in the acting, you can say, hmm, 
I think I, I either want to change the script or I want to step back and just watch for a while, or I want to write a brand new script. You have those choices at every single moment. And that's the beauty of this. So ultimately, the person in charge is the one making the choice to be in the script or not in the script. Yeah, I, I love that. So when you're done with that script, then, you know, new chapter, start over. And, you know, as you know, I'm a student of A, a Course in Miracles, and I love teaching from it because it is absolutely so in alignment with, with what I have felt personally, because I had my encounters with the divine, oh, three, four, five years before I started studying A Course in Miracles. And it was so beautiful to, to read how powerful. Yeah, there's your, your course book. My new one actually just came in a, in a, I order a new one every year. I like to go fresh every year because from the first one that I read about 12 years ago, every line was, everything was underlined in different colors and tabs. If I showed it to you, you probably would think, I'm, do you want to see my first Course in Miracles book? Yeah, sure. I'd love to you can laugh <laughs> i won't laugh i mean i i would only laugh with you look at this oh my god look at that i tabbed i underlined i labeled every one of these things i that wrote what exactly. i studied it i literally studied yeah, everything no, i get it anyways so you from know, there to i i remember uh I don't remember where it was, but somewhere in school, somebody mentioned about writing in the book, in the margins or whatever. And I don't know where I learned this, but somewhere earlier in my life, I learned that it's not okay to write or to mark up a book, particularly, particularly a holy book like the Bible, for example. And so, you know, I do have this book and I don't write in it. I, I'm the exact opposite from you in that regard. But I do, you know, I, I do, uh, I, know, I know where I want to look. And the other thing that I find beautiful about this book is sometimes just opening to an, a page and just yeah. reading whatever is there is, is a powerful experience for me. In fact, I just opened up to a page that says the test of truth. <laughs> so maybe we can <laughs> talk about that one. <laughs> Yes, we will. We'll definitely have to have many, many more conversations because we can open up the course and pick up anything anywhere. Right. But the um, so over the last 12 years that I've been studying the course and I have a new one every year, the markings are lesser and lesser and lesser. So I guess the concepts are, are making sense. But the common the common concept in A Course in Miracles is that all we need to do is shift our perception. We just change our mind. And if you don't like it, change it. And humanity is on the verge of making a big choice. And what we're seeing is that we're getting ready to, to see why it's time for us to change our mind about how we are governed. And when, when we make the choice to no longer let someone else be in charge of us and we begin to see that what it's cost us to do that, we're going to experience so many miracles because we're going to experience the realization that we're powerful. We really, truly are powerful. And yeah. isn't that what you and I have spent years not only discovering about ourselves, but helping our clients learn about themselves, writing books, writing courses, writing all kinds of things. How many more ways can we say it? How many, how many books have been um, channeled for us? Like A Course in Miracles, holy books, sacred texts, Bhagavad Gita, 4,000 years ago, um, Lao Tzu, you know, channeling, bringing in these truths that have been true always at, right at the center, at the center of everything is that yeah. truth. Mm -hmm. And yet so many of us have been operating with our backs against the truth. And I think this is the year that we're going to realize how powerful we are and um, that we've been in charge all along of getting our 
having this false sense of not being in charge. So right, right. It's you know, pretty amazing. Sorry, go ahead. I just uh, no, 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 pretty amazing. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was gonna say the the um, there's a, there's a. I guess for me, I perceive that there are some people who are really stuck in their current way of thinking. They they seem to be resisting uh, internally the truth coming in for themselves. It's that cognitive dissonance that's that's beginning to happen to people, where they have one belief system and they are tied to that belief system, but then they have some some information or evidence or data or something that contradicts their belief system. And they have to make a choice. Which one do I stick with? And of course, a powerful ego mind will stick with the existing belief system. And the other thing will kind of be deflected and it'll be told, no, that can't be true. That's that's falsehood. That's misinformation. That's this, that, and the other thing. But what people are starting to understand now is, wait a minute, I keep seeing the same misinformation in so many different places. And it's now coming to me from people that I actually love and trust. What does this say about my belief system? And so people are just, you know, they're struggling. And I mean, some people are even going so far as to say, I just can't handle this. And they end up doing something drastic, like, you know, committing suicide or something. And I really, my heart goes out to them. And I hope that, you know, people won't take that idea and, and go with it. But the idea is just because you have a a cognitive dissonance try to just be comfortable with it try to just be with it and 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 allow yourself to flow back into the truth and and understand that maybe what what you currently believe was something that was programmed into you by someone else who didn't have your best interests in in, at heart Mm -hmm. you know they were more interested in their own personal interests in in increasing yeah. their power, increasing their wealth or whatever else they were doing. You have a choice now. You can say, hmm, all right, I see what that guy's doing. So as long as he's, you know, building his wealth, he's going to keep telling me things that make me want to support him in building his wealth or her yeah. wealth, whatever the case may be. I am choosing to take control of my own life. I am choosing to reclaim my own sovereignty And not to be controlled by that person anymore. That's the choice that we have available to us. And I think that's what you're really talking about for 2022. People are reaching that point where more and more and more of them are going to be making that choice. It's almost to the point that it's it's or die in many ways. Because if we don't make the choice to question why have we so blindly followed a script and don't even know who wrote the script, aren't even aware of the layers of script writers in this script, and that there is an intensification of the the distinction between those who have are waking up or have woken up to to the truth that we we can write the script that we want. And if you don't want a script based on, say, slavery, which is what somebody telling you what to do is, when mm-hmm. you don't have a choice and you have to operate under mandates, mandates are nothing more than modern-day slavery. And people don't realize that. They don't think about it that way. But if somebody's mandating what you can and cannot do, what you put in your body or don't put in your body, that's slavery. You're a slave to that to that person mandating whatever it is that they're mandating. But we're starting to see this bifurcation of those who are clearly going, wait a second, I can't have somebody telling me to do something that just doesn't feel right. Because they're listening to that inner being that is saying, no, that's not for me. So what I am super excited is people are beginning to realize that they've got these two voices inside. They, and they're starting to not listen to the one voice that is telling them to do something that just doesn't feel natural. Mm-hmm. And we will never be able to say no to the voices outside until we learn to say no to the voices inside. Because that's not only as within, so without, but when you override, like you were saying, so beautifully saying, 
this cognitive dissonance for a very long time. I'm learning that there is no such thing as hell. And there is this little girl in me that is scared to death of going to hell. And I'm reading what scholars were telling me, where hell came from, how it was made up, how, you know, it came from a story. I think it was Plato's, um, I can't remember the name of it. Um, oh, the divine, no, Dante's divine comedy. And somewhere in there it talks about going to Hades and Hades was just a lower level in the world. And from Hades comes Hades and hell comes out at. So I'm reading information that resonates. Okay, that's true. This was made up. And I've got this little girl that doesn't want to disappoint grandma talking to me, telling me, oh, no, no. Grandma said there's hell. So there is hell. You will not override what grandma said. And exactly. but, I'm, but I'm like, but wait a second. Grandma didn't know about Dante's Inferno. Um, so I had to, in my own mind, take charge. I had to be in charge of the voices in my own head so that I could begin to realize that the voice that we will find at the center of the circus tent, which is what a great example, in the middle of the circus tent, yeah. is a loving voice that wants all of us to, you know, and this is why I love, I love showing people how the aspects of the Constitution and the Course in Miracles are like, hand in glove that's amazing yeah creative source of all that is created us equal because we're all created in its image it didn't doesn't have a billion images a billion image it has one image and what is that image is eternal life it is freedom and it is joy joy and of love. creating life liberty and pursuit of happiness is yeah. what is at the root at the center of our beingness if we let that part be in charge, it will rewrite our entire story. And it, it becomes a story where with each other, collaboration, co-creation, um, assisting one another, uplifting one another, that I'm watching that world actually being built right now. That world is about to totally, completely take off and more of the people who are operating inside of that I'm tired of these mandates. I'm tired of, you know, being told I can't socialize or I can't do this, that, or the other, or I can and cannot shop. I'm tired of this. They're watching, going, wait a second. All the happy people who trust one another, who are free, nobody tells them what to do. I want some of what she's having. Exactly. And we're going to yeah. see more and more people start questioning, how can you be so happy in the middle of this insanity? Well, that's because I'm in the center. I have centered mm -hmm. myself in the source. And from that place, I'm writing my own freaking script. I'm I'm right. I'm in charge of what I want to experience. Yeah. Anyways, so that's how I see it. That's beautiful. And I think that you've really helped bring us around to back to center, shall we say. And uh, <laughs> a place where we can... We can begin to close out and, and say thank you to people for watching this. Please share. We want to get more people waking up. We want to get more people asking questions. We want to get more people moving toward the center instead of away from it. And uh, that's what we hope to accomplish with these calls. So, Lina, would you, would you like to say anything more to finish us up before I, I close it out? No, I, I just absolutely, absolutely love that because um, if we're moving away from the center, we can't see each other's faces because we're going out. But when we come to the center, everybody's come, we see, we get to see each other. It puts that humanity back into it. So it's an opportunity to come back to the center and find out who's really in charge. Thank you for hosting this beautiful conversation. Yeah, well, thank you for being here. And I know we're going to be doing these more and more. And um, Lina, you had suggested possibly weekly. I don't know if we're going to do that, but uh, we'll talk about it and we'll, we'll see if that's what, what spirit is calling for. Anyway, thank you all for being here. God bless you on your journey. And may you just experience love, light, and blessings on every single step of your journey.
And remember, you're in charge. <laughs> that is absolutely right.